What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prophecy Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Acme Pack Company podcast feed. I am Jess Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Evan Tex Western, same with People Tex. What's up, everybody? Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Packers fans certainly did, so... Go us. Thankful for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Go us. Uh, if you're wondering why my audio quality might be a little bit different, I am at the in-laws right now. It is 8 o'clock in the morning Pacific time. I'm trying not to wake every single person up in the house. I think we got eight in the house right now. can count correctly. Um, Green Bay Packers end up winning 29-22 against the Detroit Lions. That previously 8-2 and two Detroit Lions. Before we get into this, Tex, I want to play the schedule game with you let's, real quick. Let's do it. I was on the New York Times playoff machine, which is, I think, the best playoff machine now that uh, 538 is playoff machine for season-long stuff just, like, doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Disney for just ripping that thing away from us. I spent so much time on there. <laughs> um, right now, the Green Bay Packers have a 44% chance to make the playoffs, which seems astonishing compared to what we looked at, what we looked like before the Rams game, right? Um, you know, we were talking about potentially being, what was it, like three and nine heading into that Giants game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 44% chance to make the playoffs. The situation really is Dallas is going to make it, Philadelphia is going to make it, um, the Niners are going to make it, and... Somebody from the South, but... <laughs> Well, there's yeah. What's, oh, uh, Seattle Detroit, there, maybe? Detroit, oh, Detroit's yeah. gonna make it. Yeah, um, yeah, and then someone from the South is gonna make it. So that's five of the spots, right? So the the two wild card teams in right now would be Seattle and Minnesota. If one of them collapse down the stretch, big, 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 big opportunity for Green Bay to make the playoffs again. Yeah. I don't know if I even want to make the playoffs because, like, I don't know how fun it's gonna be playing Philly or San Francisco on the road, right? <laughs> um, but, I mean, good good sign for the franchise moving forward if they can do that. Not to count the chickens, you know, before they hatch. But, so, I'm playing with the playoff machine. It gives us a 44% chance to make the playoffs. There are three what I would consider gimmies left in the next six weeks, right? It's the Giants, it's the Panthers, it's the Bears. If the Packers just win those three games – the team has an 80% chance to make the playoffs, according to the New York Times playoff <laughs> machine. So really, I mean, they just need to win, take care of business in those three games and then pull off, you know, one against the Chiefs or Bucks or Vikings, one of those three. If they can get one of those three, they're going to be in a very good position to actually make the playoffs. Yeah, you, you look at this and it it sets up pretty damn well to see them potentially go four and two down the stretch here. And they do that. They're nine and eight and and sitting with a winning record something none of us would have would have ever expected you know when they were sitting at two and five after that that loss to the vikings after week eight so it's 
we saw even after the Steelers game two weeks ago, um, it was a all right, let's just see positive growth and and movement in the yeah. right direction. The Chargers game, I mean, I think I I said to you after the, the they played the Steelers, I was probably picking the Packers straight up against the Chargers anyway, just because I had you know a feeling that with tr- the Chargers defense being bad, that they were going to be able to continue that that offensive stretch, but. This one, this is the feels like the turning point. If they can can find a way to to put a nice stretch to stretch run together, find a way in the playoffs, you know, we're all gonna be looking back at this game on, on Thanksgiving Day as the turning point. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because I, I kind of wrote up the playoff odds earlier in the week. Um got a lot of blowback from that. Just because, <laughs> you know, a lot of Jim Mora gifts, right? Just playoffs. Um, but it, it's a real possibility. The NFC is not good, right? This is something yeah. that we've talked about consistently this year. I talked about it with Chuck when we were recording for Intercepted a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's it's it, so painfully top heavy. Like that's the that's the so key, right? Heavy. In in the AFC, you've got what ten teams that that all viably have a have a legitimate case of of being worthy of a playoff spot. Um, yeah. and and if you know, if any of those teams was in the NFC, they'd probably be squarely, you know, in in that top five group. But yeah, uh, yeah you have you definitely there's have... like four good NFC teams right now, yeah. and then teams that like it's like if you get hot, you'll probably make the playoffs, but you could also just collapse down the stretch too. So yeah, but to your point, I mean, do we think that this team, if they somehow sneak in, is going to make a run like the 2010 or yeah, the 2010 team? No, probably not. That's not uh, that's not how this team is built, and they have too many issues with injuries and youth and everything. But if they did, I mean, man, that'd be obviously you know that we've already taken. I think any question about Lafleur and and yep. his his job status that is now officially off the table with, and, with and the way love. this game went. Done. And love, I mean, deal. yeah, I think so. I think Ben Solak wrote it wrote it up this morning for the Ringer um, that he's he's in as love being the guy. Um, and this was, I mean, this was kind of his statement game, I think, even more so than than the Chargers game last week, because really, I think yeah. the only throw that to me it looked like he missed on was the the first one, the the game opener to Watson that he underthrew again. But Watson came back and fought for it, and that was something we haven't seen from him a whole lot this season too. So um, he 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 went went up, made a play for his for his quarterback, and bailed him out. And then from then on, um, Love just looked fully in command and he was thrown in rhythm. He was hitting guys in tight windows, um, anticipating routes and things. And man, I don't know if it's the young receivers are starting to to gel and they're starting to pick up the the playbook or whatever. We haven't seen those issues with blown routes or guys running to the same spot at all this last month or so. And, you know, that that seems like that was a bigger part of maybe of Love's issues during that rough stretch than maybe we even realized was just that he was getting no help from the the young guys around him, and now that those guys seem like they're clicking and they're they're understanding what they need to do, and there there haven't been any you know those same type of mental mistakes. Now Love is just free to to fire it and and work within the offense, and it's been a lot of fun to watch these last couple of weeks. A couple of things there, um, little nitpicky on one, but I, I think he missed an out route that was in the man coverage, which is a tough throw to make especially at the NFL level um, but outside of that most of the incompletions that he had were um, 
Well, so like, let's talk about what Detroit was doing, right? Like Detroit was blitzing a lot of guys from depth. And there were a lot of times where, you know, that, that linebacker is hitting the line of scrimmage full speed, basically at the snap. And you're getting pressure from a running back, picking him up in, in uh, protection. Right. And then a lot of those love and completions really, I guess, are, you know, pressured snaps where he has to flee the pocket and then just like something weird happens. So that's one reason why, you know, we're praising him, even though the completion percentage wasn't perfect. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. Um, the other thing, Love in the postgame presser mentioned at least one of the really good throws that he had was on a busted route. <laughs> like, he's, so, like, I don't know. Maybe the wide receivers just still aren't playing that well, but um, in terms of, you know, assignment football, but it's working. I mean, keep doing it. Well, and now we, we look ahead just, just real quick to this Chiefs game on Sunday night. I mean, this is this suddenly feels like this could be a winnable game. The way this offense has been playing, the way the Chiefs have been doing absolutely nothing on offense in the second halves of games. Um, it, it's not the immediate L, I think, that we all assumed that it was going to be. Now that, that defense is going to be scary, and I think Spagnuolo is going to Right, you know, dial up some crazy blitzes and, and pressure and stuff for love again, like you did. How many first. how many cut ups are we going to see of him <laughs> last time? Jordan oh Love's first start, start, all that stuff. Gosh, yeah, it's it's going to be all over the place. But um, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm not going to say they're going to win this game, but it they feel like they've got a hell of a lot better chance of winning than again than I would have thought of two weeks ago. Yeah, I think it'll be good prep for that Vikings game too, just mm-hmm. in terms of you know. They do it in different ways, but uh, Spags and Flores, you know, both called super blitz-heavy defenses and stuff like that. Trying to find the snap counts right now. I want to see how these wide receivers were rotated. Um, Christian Watson played 88% of the snaps. Dobbs played 86. Jaden Reed played 73. Malik Heath played 20%, which seems low compared to how many damn targets he ended up getting in this game yeah yeah that's that's crazy i mean he he seemed like he very much played the the wicks role um that same you know similar similar number of snaps kind of similar types of snaps but yeah i mean 11 snaps for heath and he had was it four or five targets like that's that's a little it seems yeah four four targets for 46 yards yeah four targets on 11 plays like Good, good for you, Heath. <laughs> yeah, a couple of those were pretty, pretty nice, uh, pretty nice plays too. The, the one, um, the the one where Love is scrambling out to his right and then throws all the way back across the field to the <laughs> to the left side to find Heath. I mean, that was a, a ridiculous. You know, that that's one of those arm talent throws that you you circle when you look back at, um, you know, just just when you describe the trying to describe the type of arm that that Love has when he can. Um, when he can just flick it, so that was a nuts one. But yeah, good on him for stepping up and uh, in in Wix's absence and um, you know putting together a pretty nice game when he had only had what one catch the whole season coming in. Right, and that was what last week. Yeah, Toure played three snaps, zero special teams reps. Bo Melton played two snaps, six special teams reps. I'm pretty confident Heath is that guy moving forward in terms of the fifth guy on the wide receiver depth chart. Yeah. He can do a lot of the dirty work too. I don't know why 
So Christian Watson had a bounce back game, right? But we still yeah. criticize him for certain things. So like for example, in the run game, right? He's not doing well as an insert player, and that's something that he probably can do a lot better at. Um, don't know why they don't swap those roles a little bit more. Watson still, I think, continues to be a guy who plays like he doesn't realize how big he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's always been his issue. It's like, yeah, he's six four and he's two hundred pounds, but I wish he would use that six four and two hundred pounds a little bit more every once in a while. Um, Turan Mel, yeah, I just I'm not sure what's going to happen with them. Henry Pearson, who got called up for this game, ended up playing eleven special team snaps. I'm not surprised by that. Um, he's yeah. basically filling in the Deguara role. Exactly. Yep. Again, yeah. that, that's another thing we didn't talk about is we beat an eight and two team when eight preferred starters are out of the lineup <laughs> that on a short week for the youngest team in football right now. So, yeah, that's that's nuts. I'm uh, just a, a quick look at the snap counts too. Right, no Luke Musgrave. Uh, Tucker Craft played fifty four of the fifty six offensive snaps. Yeah. Um, and and got the tutty. Yep. That was nice. Uh nice nicely schemed up play for for him from LaFleur too. So he uh he was he was LaFleur was cooking a little bit today too. So um or on Thursday. But yeah, craft almost every snap and then you know you get Ben Sims in there <clears throat> just a little bit for what, fourteen snaps or so. So didn't really see him see him a whole lot. So they were sitting in sitting in eleven personnel basically all game long. Rashid Walker and Yash Nyman continue that rotation at left tackle. I do wonder how long that's going to last because I don't know. Like, if you're week 17, are you still rotating these guys knowing Nyman isn't going to – he's not under contract next year and he's not going to get re-signed. Yeah. That's the reality of the situation. He's going to cost too much. And with the Bakhtiari thing hanging up in the air and you potentially taking the offensive lineman in the first round, like, I don't know. I, I at some point they got to call it yeah. um, with these offensive line rotations. Sean Ryan played 13 snaps. I can't remember if that was all on one drive or if he got two drives in, um, but that's 23% of the uh, offensive snaps. He continues to play well. I think we need to see more of Sean Ryan. We ran the uh, reacts polls and got that up this week. Um, overwhelmingly fans want to see more out of Sean Ryan. So I think that's got to be coming at some point, and there's probably not a better time than, you know, going against Chris Jones on the interior, you know, with a uh, a pseudo bye week, you know, yep. going into that Chiefs game. Yeah. Jonathan Owens, by the way, played oh, 90, 97 snaps. He played 13 special teams reps on top oh. of the 84 defensive reps. Holy crap. Good for him. He he had me worried <laughs> that first drive. Um, he got taken advantage of a couple times, and then he blacked out. He blacked out. Simone Biles was going crazy on Twitter celebrating her mans. Good for him. He needed yeah. that. Right right place, right time on uh, on the scoop and score for the, the touchdown. But even outside of that and outside of that first drive, um, yeah, I, I think easily his, his best game. There was one – run sure. fit there was one run fit that he had that he decleated i don't know if it was montgomery or gibbs or somebody coming up the middle um for like a, a gain of a yard or something that that was i i think i jumped up off the couch and 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 shouted and scared our uh our friends who were uh, who were watching the game with me because i was so excited i 
I didn't know. I, and that was one too, where I, I just saw the three and I thought at first, just based on like how aggressive of a safety play that was, that that might've been Anthony Johnson. And then when I saw it was 34, um, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. So yeah, shout shouts to, to Owens for, uh, for his best game so far as a Packer. Speaking of the defense, eight straight weeks of 24 or fewer points allowed by Joe Barry's defense. Again, I think they're handcuffed. Um, the way Matt is talking about Joe, um, I think Joe's coming back next year because yeah. Matt's coming back next year. And that's the situation. And you guys might let, not like it, but like, it's time to make if your you're peace re- with if it. If you're reading the, yeah, if you're reading the tea leaves, I mean, this is what's happening. I mean, the defense has kept these, kept this team in games, even during that stretch when the offense wasn't playing well, it's going to be hard to justify firing Joe Barry for this effort and not firing for, you know, not firing for what happened last year. Right. Yep. So, so this is interesting. I'm just looking at some of the, the overall um, defensive rankings and things. Um, Packers are now sitting 10th in points allowed per game. Um, 19th in yards allowed per game. Um, but then, just looking at drive stats, I know Paul has mentioned on on reporting is eligible. You know, some of that is is driven by the fact that they give give up a lot per drive, and because the the Packers yeah. have tended to play at a slower pace and and have fewer fewer drives and fewer opportunities. So, like average drive, Packers are giving up the twenty eighth uh, in terms of time of possession and thirty first in terms of number of plays per drive, but they're still sitting at fourteenth in points allowed per drive. So it's got to be. You know, defense is is doing a decent job at least on third downs, um, but pretty good in the red zone too. Um, I was going to say tenth uh, in red zone percentage for, for all the for talk touchdown on, percentage. Yeah, for all the talk about the red zone, and you know, sometimes there are those inside runs that are just you know, going untouched and stuff like that. They have gotten some turnovers down there. They have gotten some missed field goals and stuff that that's kind of helping them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and they're not shying away from their identity. I mean, Preston Smith, early on in the game, was functionally targeted two times really early. I mean, one time the first read, for example, like this wasn't a target, but the first read he was covering uh, one of the receivers. I can't remember who it was over the middle, kind of in a. I think it was a Monroe St. Brown actually. I think so. Um, and he he gloved him up, and then the other like two plays later. They try targeting him in the flats, and he just holds it down. So, you know, got to give them some credit at some point. Like, mm-hmm. they are playing NFL offenses, and they are keeping these games pretty low scoring. Um, La Porta. La Porta. <laughs> what, what was Greg Olson doing with that? <laughs> I don't know. That was – I noticed it, too, in, like, the second quarter or something that uh, was a little funky, but – it's I mean, so weird. He had, a, he had an okay game, but what five tar- or five he got catches, targeted eight targets, a billion times. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it seemed like it was a lot early, and then, um, and then he kind of phased out a little bit after that first drive or two. Um, I mean, he was he had that touchdown in the first drive, and and was was a big big part of that drive, but it didn't seem like he was a huge impact player. Um, you know, in the second half for for very much. I mean, that was kind of when St. Brown started picking up chunks of yardage was, was after halftime. It seemed like he did most of his, his damage in the second half. So, um, yeah, just happy that, uh, happy that we could shut up all the, the Lions fans who were in our mentions all week about our, our reactions on draft day for a couple of those picks. So man, didn't, I didn't, didn't so hear anything I, from them after, uh, after the game. Funny. 
I didn't know that there were Lions fans in our Twitter mentions <laughs> until you guys mentioned it. Because I have um, – so I used to have a problem of just, like, arguing with people's burners, basically. And that wasn't a good idea. So I just, like, muted anyone who doesn't follow me in terms of, like, the notifications. Like, I just don't see it. Um, made my Twitter experience a lot better. Oh, yeah. So, like, I, I don't – I didn't see a lot of that stuff. Until you guys showed it to me, and I was like, "Oh, we're we're farming them." If uh, this ends up going well, the other thing Lions fans got pretty pissed at me about uh, this week was I wrote up that article about how the Packers turned that one draft pick into three guys, and so so the way it works out, right? Um, Green Bay trades the draft pick that the Lions eventually draft Bryant Branch for. And they end up turning that into Jaden Reed, Dentavian Wicks, and Carl Brooks. Well, Carl Brooks recovers a fumble, right, in that game. Um, Jaden Reed scores a touchdown on Branch, and Dentavian Wicks has had a pretty good season so far. Lions fans got into uh, the comment section at APC, started arguing, and were like, wait, Goot's smart for not taking Brian Branch? And that, that one kind of backfired on you guys. <laughs> you guys kind of made an ass out of yourselves once again. That had to be a nightmare game for Lions fans, right? Um, oh, yeah. It's your, like, yearly game. It's on national television. Everyone's paying attention, like, around the country. You crap the bet at 8-2 and two after you build up all this momentum. Jordan Love looks good. A whole lot of things going on. But Joe Barry holds, you know, the guy who was the defensive coordinator of the 0-16 <laughs> Lions defense ends up kind of making your quarterback look like a bozo. The Goff small hand stuff starts appearing again. Goff is terrible at fumbles. Again, I think it comes down to the small hands. I remember as, you know, a West Coaster watching him at Cal, like the rain game stuff with Goff was a a real deal. Like they would pull him at Cal because he was just a fumble liability. And we're talking about this probably, I don't know, we're like, two, three, four months removed from Goff probably getting that Daniel Jones contract. So Yeah, this this I'm felt excited. like a yeah, this felt like a worst case scenario for, for Lions fans. So I had a couple of uh a couple of friends of mine who were from Michigan who were Lions fans and who got last minute standing room tickets for the game. And uh yeah, they were they were not not happy. Um I told them I'd wait to gloat until I see him next week. But uh I'm gonna have to rub that in a little bit when I uh, when I get back and, and run into him next week. Do you know Do you know what month uh, the Packers' next game is going to be played in? Tex? It is December. Next Sunday what, is December. What is special? What is special about December in this Green Bay Packers team? Matt Lafleur is really good in December. How like, good? Like undefeated. Like, let, good. like let's say, yeah, I was gonna say, let's say he <laughs> played 15 games. How many of those do you think he's won? I'm yeah, pretty sure he's 15, 15 for 15. That's look, guys, we just need one of those three games, right? I mean, the, the three layups, we got to take care of business. One of the other three, we do that. I mean, we're legitimately talking about a playoff team, which seems dumb, but if we can get to the playoffs with love in year one, I mean, just the confidence that that kind of instills and the, uh, I mean, even just being able to go to the free agency market, right? Yeah. I mean, imagine pitching guys, right? Um, in the free agency market, so I don't know, a month ago after, you know, what they looked like a month ago compared to, mm-hmm. hey, we have Jordan Love, he's a young quarterback, and uh, we made the playoffs, right? Like, that's what? a pretty decent sell. 
And even if you're talking about, you know, picking in the first round in the early 20s, let's say, you've still got five top 100 picks in 2024. Um, that Jets pick, we know it's going to be a second rounder, you know, with the whole Rodgers thing. But, I mean, they're starting Tim Boyle today. That that pick looks like that's going to keep climbing up the board in the second round. And that could be a, you know, that could be a top 40 pick. So it could be, you could be picking t- twice in the top 40. Plus, three, if three times. They're like one loss away from like Rodgers not coming back, right? Yeah. Which is only going to help the Packers um, in terms of the the record for that for that draft pick. So yep. So yeah, th- two two in the top forty potentially, three in the top sixty, and you know another two in the third for for five top one hundred picks. Even if you're you're not picking top ten, that's that's a nice group of um, group of selections and some nice draft capital to have. Before we get into the vibe checks, the one thing I want to shout out offensive coordinator Ben Johnson for, I've never seen this called in this situation, but it was a really smart call. I think it was what, like um, probably like 10 seconds left in the clock um, at the end of the first half. It was a third and 15. So you're thinking, you know, Detroit is probably playing for a situation where they want to run out that clock just because, you know, you don't want to give Keyshawn Nixon an opportunity to, you know, return a punt, right, in that situation. Um, at least that's what you're probably thinking of as, like, a defensive coordinator. So you're thinking, you know, stop the run, all that stuff. They do a draw, which is what, uh, you know, you're typically thinking in that spot. But then they flea flicker out of it. Yeah. And I think Goff actually has a guy open. He just completely missed him. I don't know if he was impacted by the pressure or what was going on. But holy crap, dude, I cannot wait for Ben Johnson to be a head coach for – not the Detroit Lions, so we don't have to deal with this <laughs> crap anymore. That he's he's a bright guy. Yeah, yeah, that was that. I I noticed the same thing too, and I, I was thinking that that that's a really clever little little thing to throw in there at an end of half situation. So, um, yeah, go go coach, you know, a, a an AFC team. You know, go coach the Chargers or something. Go coach the Pats. Yeah, go, yeah. Go coach the Patriots. Yeah. So that I that that'd be fun. It'd be fun to see what uh, see what he puts together as a as a head coach and. A different conference. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take it to break and then we'll get into the vibe checks. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. All right, offensive side of the ball. How many thumbs up can I give? Can I buy an extra thumb (laughs) to give more thumbs up? I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, Wicks wasn't out there, Aaron Jones wasn't out there, 
uh, Musgrave isn't out there. Deguara isn't out there. And they're still able to do this in the passing game on a short week against an 8-2 team. Oh, my God. Like, Christian Watson bounce back game of the century of the year, right? Uh, the long of 53 on the first play that he bailed Jordan Love out on. Uh, Malik Keith getting involved again. Like, those are things that I was not expecting in this game. A couple other things that we didn't talk about earlier, like the Jordan Love naked boot keeper on third and one that he picked up like 37 yards on. Beautiful. Yeah. I feel like they've been setting that one up all year. And um, yeah, it was, it was awesome to the great timing for it. Great call. Um, the, again, the, the Tucker craft touchdown on a, also on a third and one um, great call there. So LaFleur was on um, the passing game looked good. I, I thought the offensive line, largely protected love pretty well too yeah. and the couple of times that that he did, did get pressure he did a really good job of navigating it and, and getting out of the pocket and um at least you know getting the ball away without um you know without taking a negative play so i, I don't know I, I don't know if i can go to a 10 but i'm damn close right now man the vibes are the vibes are about as high as they could possibly be at this point in the season yeah. i mean this Dream dream scenario. I, I wrote um, we do the little blurbs for like tally sites and stuff like that, just to like preview the game, kind of like in a paragraph. And my whole thing was like, the Packers to win this game, the Packers are going to have to play their best game of the season while being down. You know, almost half their starters, preferred starters. It happened. They just did it. Oh guys. my god, it happened. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm excited moving forward. Hopefully we can steal one of those games down the stretch. The offensive line did play good. I, I think a lot of the pressure actually came from the backs in protection and, you know, Detroit just being really aggressive with those blitzing linebackers. Um, speaking of the backs, A.J. Dillon did a hurdle, got hit at like the peak of his height in the hurdle, and it looked like he didn't move at all. The The physics of that play – Still is kind I of don't understand. my mind a little bit. Like I, because I, what it was, I think it was Anzalone who hits him in the air, and like Anzalone's not a small guy, and obviously Dylan's a big guy, but that's that's not how inertia usually works. <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah, I mean, Anzalone has to be looking at that in film room right this week and just being like, "What happened? I I had well. a tee shot." Like, this guy is in the air. He is not grounded at all. I could have knocked him, you know, had enough force to knock him out of bounds, and I just held up. Bad idea. Yep. That was fun. I do think offensively, I want to see more Sean Ryan. I'm ready for it. And I was the guy who, you know, I talked about this with Andy um, a couple weeks ago, and he was more on the uh, play Sean Ryan campaign me personally i was like i don't know this guy was royce newman's backup a couple weeks ago and like i don't know how many reps he's getting in practice but we've seen enough of him in game time that it's like the difference between him and runyon in the ground in the ground game at the very least yeah it's pretty night and day at this point I i think you pull the trigger and you start letting ryan play a little bit more moving forward well and runyon is in the last year of his contract right so yep i think i think it's I think we're at the point too deal. where Runyon, yeah, he's not getting resigned. So yeah, so at this point, kind of do the do the same thing. If you know you're coming down the stretch, kind of like you were saying with with Walker and Nyman, um, 
if if you've got a, a lame duck guy, it's especially a lame duck in the case of Runyon, who's not really playing that well, hand it over to to the young guy who who you're keeping around and who's probably going to end up being the starter at that spot next year. Yeah, because I think that's also like a pretty good data point too. Like if you're looking at um so for example, I'm gonna pull up like the consensus draft board, right? So like when we're talking about these guys and these offensive linemen, it's important to like functionally like start thinking about who the actual players are, right? So if the Packers are drafting a little later to the point that they can't get a Fashanu or Joe Alt, which is you know, what we're on pace for at this point, right? Um, then you start having questions about like, do we get like Fuaga out of Oregon State, right? And Fuaga is a guy who is playing right tackle right now, but could potentially play like a right guard type of position. Don't you want to know if you need a right guard by the time you make that draft pick, right? Like, don't you want a little bit more certainty before you pull the trigger on that first round pick? Like, that's kind of where I'm sitting at this point. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So get, uh, Again, if you can, the, the fact that the split on the snaps is still so stark. I mean, looking at, at Runyon and, and Ryan, I mean, it was 43 13, whereas you've got Walker and Nyman that are almost splitting evenly. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised that they haven't started, uh, if they're going to keep that rotation going, doing it a little more heavily, a little more like they're doing with, um, with the left tackles. Yeah. And again, you know, the, the pseudo bye week right plays into effect at this point the fact that you're talking about potentially going on playoff run the fact that um we're talking about uh getting some clarity going into draft season like all those things come into play at this point yep make them compete i mean if you're gonna make them compete at left tackle make them compete at right guard because we've seen enough film like i don't understand why you would give a guy a drive um unless you're trying to figure out if you want to split right i think we have enough data now that you realize you want to split you want to split these guys yep they can compete um all right we can get off the offense um five check i guess i'm yeah like i guess we'll go nine just nine. because like we didn't run for 200 yards in this game on top <laughs> of it like you know i i think the hardest of graders would go no less than like an eight or something in this game so yep yeah and again just look looking at the average plays i know the packers got outgained um offensively they still put up 377 yards and they did it at seven yards per play on offense and held the held the lines to 5.9 so that'll work all right defensive side of the ball yeah we covered three fumbles (laughs) hilarious Rashawn Gary let's I mean we gotta we gotta start there right like that man was possessed in this game and I, I i've joked a couple times now that it, it seemed like he was mad at the entire stadium and the entire city of detroit for his torn acl last year yeah and, he was bad at the field bound and determined to to take out his rage on um on the lions as as payback for for busting his knee last season so i've talked to people who have mm, no i don't want a burger source like this um so I know people around Rashawn Gary who have uh, worked with Rashawn Gary in that building before, right? Um, he is an interesting leader by example. Um, 
he doesn't all do all the flashy stuff that like a Ray Lewis would do, but in terms of being like that raw emotion, um, being vulnerable at certain certain spots, right? Like that's something Ray has been known to do as like that number one like face of the defense. That's kind of what Rashawn brings to the table, and that's why, you know, when you've heard the coaching staff talk about him, you know, in the summer and stuff like that, they're like, "Well, there's no doubt." he's going to come back as good as ever from that ACL tear. Like he's working his ass off. I've never seen anyone work like he does. And then uh, I don't know if you got to see the clip of uh, LaFleur giving him the game ball after yep. the game. And Rashawn is like, I'm, I'm done crying about all, all this stuff and all that. And yeah, I mean, just what a great moment for him. I mean, there, yeah. I mean, but, uh, what I'm guess I'm trying to say is like, whenever the coaching staff is like, no one gives as much effort as Rashawn Gary gives effort. Like, believe it. Because every mm-hmm. single person that I've talked to says the same exact thing. And all his actions seem to kind of check those boxes. Yeah. I mean, and that, that also helps explain, you know, why why they were so willing to give him that big contract, right? Um, yeah. Is they see, you know, they see his work ethic and everything every, every day in the building. And um, it was just really nice for for him to to have that big game that he's seems like he's really been waiting for this season. You know, he's, he's had those big plays and a couple of sacks here and there that have gotten wiped out by penalties and things. So for him yep. to, to, to really have that statement game and do it, you know, in his home state and do it at the place where, you know, where he got injured last season, um, just make On sure. On national for, TV. Exactly. Watching, yep. Like... Yep. So just great story. Really happy for him. And, uh, you know, excited. Hopefully he'll, uh, he'll be able to, um, you know, have a couple more big games between, you know, now and middle of January. We talked about it a little bit uh, already, but shout out Jonathan Owens again, yep. like was not expecting that game from him even after that first drive. Right. And, you know, right place, right time in a couple of situations, but he had his best game. Yep. Um, and he's probably going to continue to play that third safety role moving forward, you know, depending on if Savage or Rudy Ford are going to be able to play down the stretch again. This team is very, very, very banged up. Um, one player I want to highlight in kind of a negative light, Isaiah McDuffie. So he was a guy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and we were like, you know, he's playing pretty good ball, but I still don't think that, you know, even considering what Campbell has looked like after all of these injuries and stuff like that, you probably don't want Isaiah McDuffie in a position where he could end up winning that inside linebacker job next year if you move off of Campbell or something like that. McDuffie just absolutely destroyed in pass coverage several times in this game. Um, a lot of those, like, uh, if you're wondering why Jared Goff was throwing to wide open guys up the sideline on, like, deep outbreakers, it's because of Isaiah McDuffie. Um, not great. Not great. Would have liked to see better there. But I, I think at the end of the day, he's – you know, him and Eric Wilson. Well, by the way, like Eric Wilson is a guy who's been spelling him week to week playing pass coverage snaps, you know, in obvious passing down situations at inside linebacker for McDuffie. And that's probably one of the reasons. Um, I think he's still just inside linebacker depth, who's a pretty good special teamer. And, you know, those guys have spots, um, you know, roles at the NFL level, but I don't, I don't think we should ever have him being like an uncontented starter. So I think, you know, Campbell and Walker are probably coming back next year. Yep. Yeah. On the other side of of things, man, that pass rush. I mean, we talked about Gary, but the whole team 
uh 12 combined hits on Jared Goff in this game. Uh Van Ness he was finally jacked up. Van Ness had a couple um plus a TFL and Ibari had a couple. Kenny had some some big plays. Um Was the TFL so, on the punt? I can't remember if the fake punt. Oh, was you know what that might TFL be his, or not. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to double check, but either either way, um just everybody getting into the act um in, in the pass rush and and we know that that's that's what you have to do against Goff. Um Yep. You know, if you can let him sit back in the years. pocket, yep, let him sit back there in the pocket, and he's going to pick you apart. But if you can get in his face and and get him moving, and um, you know, get get pressure on him, he's gonna he's gonna turtle, and um, you know, and especially early on in that game, especially most of the first half. I mean, that's exactly what happened. Carrington Valentine, uh, absolute psycho. I yes, I don't know how many psychos we have on this team. So we have <laughs> that cornerback room, man. Yeah, Valentine, Keyshawn. I guess Jair can be like that sometimes. Jair is a weird dude, though. Yeah. Um, well, Donald Levitt's like gone, so yeah, I can't count him on that group anymore. But I feel like we're two psychos away from having something pretty special. <laughs> I always talked about this with Nate Tice because um, he talked about kind of what what his dad's thoughts on the situation was when uh, you know Mike Tice was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, and he was like, "You got to have like." 10% of your guys to have like a complete screw loose at the NFL <laughs> level, just to like keep everyone on their toes, but you can't have too many that like your locker room just like spirals and everyone's just yelling after every single loss. I feel like we got a couple guys with your screw yeah. loose and I'll be on the search for guys with their screw loose to draft season. Cause I want to yeah. add a couple. Yeah. The other one, I mean, I think you could throw Rasul into there into the mix a little bit before he left. Um, yeah. just, just with his mouth and, and his attitude and everything, he, that, that cornerback room, I think is, is where, where it all takes place, especially, you know, when they kind of set the tone at it on an attitude wise for the defense, but yeah, Valentine as a, as a rookie coming in and having, and bringing that, um, bringing that approach. I mean, he's, he's so much fun to watch. It's great to, to have that guy and, and coming in as a seventh round pick and doing, you know, doing that too. Um, dude, dude killed dude, this man. draft class, man. Yep. <laughs> Good for him. I mean, yeah. we're we're getting. I mean, Lucas Van Ness, the first round pick, is playing the fourth edge rusher position at this point, and he was playing the fifth edge rusher position. Um, you know, previously when you know Hollins was still on the team and they were still using him, and it doesn't matter because the rest yep. of the draft class is already so good in terms of, you know, the return on late draft picks. Um, I, I mean, literally every player in this class except for Colby Wooden is playing, you know, yeah. a, a, a meaningful role and, and delivering meaningful quality plays. So you can't, and, and that's on, you know, a, a huge class too, right? It was like what, 10 or 11 guys, Thir- 13 kids, 13 I think. guys. Jesus. Yeah. Cause I think, I think they had 11 picks and then they traded back. Yeah. Cause yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, Brian branch pick. Obviously. Right. Right. Yeah, so it's 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 Wooden who who isn't doing much, and then what Lou Nichols, the one running back they drafted in the the seventh round, right. they cut. But again, seventh seventh round picks are flyers anyway. So the the fact that you're getting anything out of a couple of your sevenths, and then everybody else pre- basically is contributing, um, unreal, just unreal. Defense, I'll say, I almost want to do like an NA. Here, <laughs> just because so many guys are banged up. I mean, these guys are all like the top three tacklers in this game 
Jonathan Owens, Isaiah McDuffie, Anthony Johnson Jr., Corey Ballantyne. <laughs> they're they're not supposed to be on the field. That's nuts. Yeah, I mean, I I feel I'm like just gonna this, go in a. Yeah, the 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 big plays, the pass rush. I mean, and and Detroit's got a pretty good offensive line, so um, I'll I'll give it like I'll give it like a seven for me. I think um, there's there's a lot that you can feel excited about coming out of this game, and um, I'm really just interested to see what they can do against the Chiefs next week. And and again, going into that game with no expectations. Um, just really kind of curious to see, you know, what they can game plan up for, for a Chiefs offense that has really kind of been sputtering a little bit the last couple of weeks. Special teams, launders, <sighs> launders. <laughs> we knew this was coming. We could feel it coming that that first six weeks or so, and it's what three games in a row now with a, a Mister a Block PAT. Yep, Eesh. I think Rich in his presser. This week, they asked him about the struggles and stuff, and he was like, you thought it was going to be perfect? Like, you started <laughs> off hot, man. Like, this never happens in the NFL. Like, it, it never ends up being perfect. He was going to go through these struggles, and that's fine with me. I mean, I just saw, like, Cade York um, just got, like, waved off of, like, the Giants roster. Cade York, mind you, like, last year was a fourth-round pick at the kicker position. I know um, Moody's had his struggles in San Francisco. Like, I don't know. At this point, I feel like we've seen enough out of Carlson that it's like you you see the potential. So, like, mm-hmm. just keep going with it. I mean, kicker is a position that is not strong in the NFL right now. A bunch of guys um, kind of aged out there, and that's why there was such a – I mean, there's a reason why three of them went in the draft this past year, right? Um, and, again, so this, yeah, is the, I mean, this is the year to, to let him work out the kinks – and and hopefully come right. you know come in year two year three and 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 have it figured out. Um, again, any any real contending for this team is is going to be a bonus. So um, this is the this is the year to deal with it. And um, you know, again, we're 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 still gearing up for twenty twenty five as our as our target right. date. Uh, punting game, Daniel Whalen four punts all landed inside the 20 um, shout out to the punt protection today or yesterday. Uh, the lines were really trying to go after it um, in terms of the, uh, the blocks. I, you know, all, all four of those punts, none of them ended up getting returned by the Detroit lions. Uh, the reason for that is because they weren't, you know, blocking for a return. They were trying to you know, punt block the uh, Packers. So, well, and he had the know, one the fact- too, that, uh, that they, I think Robert Rochelle was able to, pick off the, yeah. the goal line and knock it back to Zane Anderson for donning it like the one he or two yard line. So they Zane Anderson exists. <laughs> so yeah, nice nice play all around there. So and no penalties if I am if I'm not mistaken on special. Yeah, teams? I don't think so. Well they didn't have any returns, which helps in the yeah. uh, no penalty market. Yeah. Um the the one thing I want to say the kicker turns felt weird because, you know, you, you look at the box score, Khalil Dorsey, four returns for 98 yards. Um, felt like he had at least two opportunities to break one big where, you know, the the initial, um, like, point of contact stuff on the kicker turns, right? The Packers lose that, and then he ends up spilling it to the edge, and you're like, oh, my God, he's going to go for 50. <laughs> and he they just bottled him up from that point. So, you know. Pretty pretty decent on all phases. I thought. Yeah, for sure. 
Detroit only punted once. That's amazing. Or well, twice. they they were one for five on fourth downs. So and True. one of those I was for, the, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then one of those was the the fake punt that uh, the Campbell was was pretty pissed at himself for after the game. So it was funny because I feel like everyone everyone in the stadium knew that that was coming, right? Because we knew it in the APC Slack. I was in one of my group chats with a bunch of uh, national writers, and they're like, obviously, he's going to go for the fake punt here. This is exactly what Dan Campbell does. They have the graphic immediately after where, you know, he leads the league in fake punts since he's been the head coach. And I think Basachi even talked about it in his presser earlier in the week where he was like, yeah, they run a lot of punt, uh, a lot of fakes, you know, in the punt game, and that's a thing that we have to be prepared for. They, they were ready. It seems silly. Seems silly to uh, do it in that situation. Plus, they they had a punt at like midfield on like fourth and three or something mm-hmm. like that previously. So it's like, why just play your offense, man, at that spot or go go yeah. for it in the previous drive? I never understand why teams aren't consistent in their decision making there and how much of it comes off vibes. Like, yep, seems like a bad idea, bad process. Um, special teams. I guess I'll go. I don't know. Five, Nothing really happened. Like six? six? Yeah, I was going to say. Six? Yeah. Like they, the honors was bad, and then nothing else really happened, but the punts were good. Yep. Balances out. So. Yep. Um, before we get out of here, we got to give a shout out to the moon. Thanks to the moon for <laughs> the, being the, being in a gibbous. waxing gibbous phase. Um, I I don't know who this guy is, Jay Kuda. Um, he's apparently a MLB statistics guy. Um, who who figured this out that when the moon is in that phase, apparently the uh, the lions were zero and twelve on Thanksgiving Day, and um, so thanks thanks to the moon. As a friend of mine, Tyler tweeted, um, Aaron Rodgers has got to be slightly annoyed that we waited to start worshiping the moon until after he left. <laughs> I saw that one and I was like, that that's so good. Yeah, I was, was in my I was in my bag this week too. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the Lions guys got concussed, and I made the joke that they asked him what year it was. He looked up at the scoreboard and said 2008. <laughs> feeling myself, <laughs> feeling myself on that one. Woo. I know, I know that one cut deep for uh, Lions fans. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we won. Thumbs up, every phase. Special teams was a little wonky, but we beat a very good football team, and we are now mm-hmm. legitimately in the playoff conversation. Which is, I mean, we were talking That's about wild to say. <laughs> A month ago, we were like, LaFleur needs to start winning some games and, you know, getting some return on investment on, you know, proof of concept, whatever, on the offensive side of the ball. It's not looking good. Here we are. They they stuck it out. They did it. Yeah. All right, All right guys. Uh, uh, final thought before we go. Best food you had on Thanksgiving. Go. Dark meat. Always. Yeah? Nice. Nice. Big fan of, big fan of dark meat. What What's your... Plate situation looking like we had. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm usually a dark meat guy. Um, definitely sweet potato casserole with the the marshmallows. But um, again, we were at a, a friend's place that we're we're not usually after Thanksgiving this year, and um, they made an absolutely banging uh, cornbread casserole. Um, that was that was just phenomenal. And normally, I will do stuffing waffles for leftovers on the, on Black Friday, and this waffles. year I did it. 
Yeah. So, so that's, that's a hack. I, we've, th- this, this has come up in the APC Slack and on Twitter a couple times, but use, use your leftover stuffing, throw it in the waffle maker, make sure you give it a good spray with like some cooking spray or something so it doesn't stick, but, and, and, you know, get, get them nice and crispy on the outside, load them up with some cranberry sauce or, or gravy, or whatever. But this year I used the, the cornbread casserole and that was magnificent. The only kicker with that, it was, it was a little too moist. And so it kind of fell apart in the waffle maker. So like, yeah, I bet <laughs> do, it on a, do it on a panini press though, like with a flat, like a flat surface and you know, something you can pull it off with just like a spatula. Awesome. Load it down with a little bit of like breakfast sausage or some, some cranberry sauce. Oh, that's the way to go, man. So shouts to Take uh, notes. our friends and friends and their family for, for putting that together. Cause that was a, uh, that was, um, that was the, the, the best part of, of dinner last night. My my go to leftovers is usually uh just turkey and roll. Mm-hmm. Turkey and roll. And I just survive oh, yeah. off of that through, you know, yeah. college rivalry weekend. Which by yeah. the way, Scud Ducks. I need this. Oh. If the Ducks lose, I'm gonna be in pain. I, I well and, and for fellow badgers like me, I mean, I know we got got the win last week against Nebraska to get bowl eligible, but we need the damn axe back. I can't I can't let uh we can't let Minnesota? Minnesota. We can't let Minnesota get their sixth win against us, um, and 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 keep the axe for a third straight year. So, um, get out there, fickle, beat the crap out of PJ Fleck, get the axe back, keep Minnesota bowl ineligible, and uh, and all will be right with the world again on Saturday. So, all right, guys, um, stay tuned to the feed. We're going to have a relatively normal week next week. Um, Keep. We're gonna have the, all the uh, injury updates up on the site. God damn, so many players are hurt. Uh, who <laughs> no, even knows who suits up in that Kansas City game? But hopefully, it ends up panning out for us. A couple extra days of rest. Hopefully, that'll be a good thing for for that injury report. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Shout out to uh, Luke Musgrave's uh, kidney. I mean, between <laughs> oh, the the, la- the laceration with the uh, Thanksgiving multiplier, can't can't have a great. Can't be having a great time. Yeah. Go pack go. Go pack go. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.